sweat technique. You're listening to The Killer Bees with Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. On ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's Blank, on Branham. So, spring training, Astros are playing today. Uh, they actually scored a run today. I think they've been struggling scoring lately. Yeah, they, I was watching a little bit last night. Were you? not pretty. On the shin? Yeah. That's good. I like the shin. The shin wasn't carrying today's game, though, for whatever reason. Uh, anyways, it looks like Jose Abreu is going to bat ahead of Yiner Diaz. Does that bother you? 713-780-3776. Uh, Espada said, I really like the way Abreu finished the season last year. I like his history of what he has done, how productive he's been for so many years. So I do like him right now behind Tucker, yes. And, of course, he said, ideal world, it would go Altuve, Jordan, Bregman, Tucker. So if he's behind Tucker, that means Abreu's batting fifth. I do like that it's not in front of Tucker. Like, we were forced to see a lot last year because of the feng shui of the lineup. Dusty didn't believe in back-to-back lefties. But are you okay with the Abreu hitting ahead of Yiner Diaz? For the, to start the season, I'm absolutely okay with it. I'm okay for every reason that Espada gave you, but more so than anything else. There's already so much pressure on Yiner. There, there's everybody looking at him because he's got to replace Maldi defensively because it, the expectation is, is that his numbers are going to go up and he has to maintain and exceed what he did a year ago and continue to go on that that offensive role that he was on. And so if you if you put him at fifth, I think in a lot of ways there's even more pressure on him. You put the veteran there that played better at the end of the season in Abreu. Um, you, do it, you do the dusty move early for that reason too, but Abreu sits where he's comfortable. He starts the season at five. If Yiner gets on fire, you have the ability to move him, and, and you're not Dusty Baker, so it seems like he's willing to do that. But I think... I'm fine with it more so than anything else because there's already enough pressure on Yiner. Just let him sit at six. Let him get everything, you know, get comfortable in the early part of the season. And if he goes on a tear, now you can make decisions. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually okay with this too. And I love Yiner Diaz, and I was obviously very critical of Jose Abreu last year. I, I agree with Espada that, you know, Abreu finished the year much better than he started the year. There's no doubt about that. And the one weakness, there's more than one weakness with Yiner. There's not a perfect player. Uh, Yiner would swing at a lot of pitches. He, he didn't see a lot of pitches. And Yiner also was not good with runners in scoring position last year. Like, how much stock do you put, up in, put in that? You know, that's up to you. That's up for your interpretation. But him batting fifth behind your best four hitters, that's a little problematic. And I do kind of like him not having the mental load. He's already handling a pitching staff that's really hard to do, if you ask anybody. Um, now... Like let him let him ease into the year, and if he's like you said, if he's having this unbelievable start and Abreu starting poorly like he did last year, a spot is not going to be he's not going to be slow to flip flop him if he has to. Last year, Yiner with runners in scoring position, two twenty eight hitter, six thirty six OPS, struck out twenty four times in ninety two at bats. He wasn't good with runners in scoring position. Like that's an area where I think he'll be better with like repetition and, and playing a lot. But it is something that did stand out last year. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that when you look at it. Uh, I just feel like a spot is the kind of guy that is not going to worry about the back of the baseball card as to the reason why he's not going to make a lineup change. I, I think that if and when, because, you know, just watching some of the game last night, they were running on him a little bit. And when he got kind of panicked because he knew the runner was going, the throws were going wayward. It seemed like he was pressing a little bit. That's natural right now, right? He's, he's trying to get comfortable with his staff. He's trying to build relationships with a lot of these guys and understand what they like to throw and when they like to throw it. And he's got a bunch on his plate. He's going to be fine. Don't get me wrong. But right now, at, in the sixth hole for me, he's just fine being right there and, and getting comfortable. Cool with it. Brian, uh, any yeah. objection? No, no no objection. I, I think the only real uh, 
concern I would have as far as where Yonder Diaz hits and because how much he chases and how aggressive he is at the plate, you want to have, I think, the right person behind him to help hopefully protect him. Like, I wouldn't want him hitting right in front of Jeremy Pena or Jake Myers, obviously. But if he's hitting fifth, he's got, you know, Jose Abreu behind him. Or if he's hitting sixth, he's got Chaz McCormick behind him. And arguably, I would think, at this point in their career, Chaz McCormick actually provides better protection than Jose Abreu. So I have no problem uh, right now with having Yonder Diaz hit sixth instead of fifth. Is he even going to hit sixth? Like, we didn't. he didn't say anything about Yiner. He said Abreu, he likes Abreu behind Tucker. I really yeah, like the way Abreu finished last year. That is a I like his history of what he has done. Maybe I should have maybe I should have teased it by it looks like Abreu is going to bat ahead of Yiner Diaz and Chaz McCormick. Yeah, because Chad, realistically, I mean, Chaz, based on the year he had last year, you could see, and, and look, if you look at Joe Espada's thinking and saying, hey, the way he finished the year was great. Well, if you look at Chaz's overall year, it was great. To where you could say, hey, the way Chaz played last year, I think it warrants giving him a chance to hit in six. The six hole, you're right. It wasn't mentioned. It is a possibility because then again, he still can be comfortable. He can relax. Now, to Brian, to your point, that kind of screws that philosophy up because now you're going to have Pena behind him and or somebody else that's not going to be nearly the hitter. Yeah, I wouldn't want Yonder Diaz hitting, 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 hitting seventh with Pena and Jake Myers right behind him. I think him. he's going to hit seventh. I think he's yeah, going to go Chaz six. Like, if he hits six, I don't have any problem. Fifth, six, whatever. You put it in any order you like. I think the yeah. result's pretty much the same. But hitting him in in kind of this early development part of his career where he's still learning, I guess, what pitches to chase, still, you know, perfecting his eye and whatnot. I don't want him hitting right behind Pena or right in front of Pena and Jake Myers where pitchers are just going to pitch all, or, you know, just going to pitch around them. I mean, they got Pena and Jake Myers coming up. I mean, Jake's hitting ninth, right? I want I want Payne to hit ninth. I would love it, but I don't think he's going to do it. I want Payne to hit ninth, so he has the Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez protection. Yeah. Like Jeremy Payne has proven in his career when he has guys behind him that he can hit. He's in the two hole, he right? can hit pretty good. Yep. So I like the idea of him batting ninth, and then like you know the whole doesn't matter a whole lot who's batting eighth versus who's batting ninth. We've seen National League managers back in the day actually use the pitcher in the eighth spot, mm-hmm. and then the you know the whoever was the last offensive player in the ninth spot. I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between eight and nine. I want to use that ninth spot to get the protection of the top of the order. Like I think that you should send, you should use your highest potential guy of the two there. Like who's got a better chance to hit a hit a ball out of the ballpark? Well, I, you know, if you're going on the second half of last year, I guess you would say Jake Myers. But I think Jeremy Pena has a higher ceiling offensively than Jake Myers, and I want him to be the benefactor of getting protection from Altuve and Jordan one too. Yeah, I like I like kind of the the second leadoff hitter two uh, aspects of of Pena more than I do Jake. The fact that I feel like. Pena is capable, and he showed that in the second half, even though his power numbers went way down. I think he he kind of started taking pitches the other way. He started shortening his swing a little bit. I think he's more advanced in terms of being a second table setter for the rest of the guys one through four than Jake is at this point. So no matter what Jake does, he's probably a better hitter than Maldi all season. So I'm fine with it. This is um, <laughs> We're getting a lot of positive feedback on Abreu hitting fifth. I'm a little surprised by this. 8-4-3-7. It doesn't bother me that Abreu will be batting ahead of Diaz to start the year. Come a month or two into the season, it's clear that Diaz is the better hitter but remains behind Abreu. Then it would bother me. Uh, eight zero, it's Omega Man and Humble. Abreu before Diaz doesn't bother me to start the season, but after we have a few weeks under our belts, the batting order should be based off production. These are like the exact same comments. Uh, six one four six. Don't mind Abreu there right now. Depends on performance. Uh, eight six nine three. The big thing is the spotter won't be stubborn like Dusty. If Diaz is producing and Abreu isn't, he'll adjust the lineup. So I'm not worried about it. Joe Spada is the most interesting manager in the world. He's also night and day from Dusty, in my opinion, that we won't be like pounding our heads in going, what the hell is he doing? And I, I was the biggest 
drum beat around that one going, come on, Dusty, like, what are we doing? And, and loyalty in the back of the baseball card doesn't matter as much as winning games and playing the hot hand when the guy's hitting well and all those kinds of things. I won't miss any of that. The um, <laughs> I have a hot take about this because I don't think that you had that opinion on anything that Joe Espada has done. The reason that you're saying that is because of what Dusty Baker has done. Sure, exactly. How do we how do we know that Joe Espada is not stubborn? No, you're right. He's not managed you're one single right. regular exactly season game I'm in his life. It. But it's because we've been like conditioned in a weird way by Dusty with his stubbornness that we think the next guy's not going to be stubborn. Yes, but then what we you're right. We don't have any like actual substance to substance to be able to base it off of. But we do have at least the quotes from the time that he, from the time since he's become the manager that. He is more open-minded, that he is looking to do some things differently than Dusty. Is hitting a so, Brayu fifth so open-minded? At least there, there's, well, he, he did already say he's open to hitting Jordan second. Dusty would have never considered that's what I'm that. That's a little bit more analytical. But he would, Dusty would have never considered well, that. You know there's no doubt that Spot is more analytical than, than, than Dusty Baker. Yeah, this is already very clear. Yeah. But in terms of like the stubbornness, you could argue that batting a Brayu fifth is stubborn because he didn't have as good an offense a year last year as Yiner or Chavs. No, but if you look at the way they finished the, the season, which is what he's basing some of his quotes on, Abreu finished yeah. strong and Yiner didn't. I don't think he'll be stubborn either, but we really are just You're guessing. right. Like, we have nothing well, to well, go I, off I would of. also go back to something you guys have talked about before where the constructing the lineup is not really about necessarily uh, – Putting like I think you said you would deconstruct the lineup, but starting yes. with uh, starting with my best player, where is he best fit, and then engineering the lineup from there. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's not really about you know who hits fifth, who hits sixth. It's where is Yonder Diaz? What what spot in the order gives him the best chance? Because I think he's a better player right now at this age than or Jose Abreu. Certainly has now, more power. You gonna hit so, Peña in the two hole? No, well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, so if Yonder Diaz, if the best spot for him is having the protection of Chaz behind him in the six hole or the five hole, whatever that happens to be, that's where I want him. And I'm not going to get caught up of where Jose Abreu is in relation to that. They, there is some people that think the five spot, and the analytical people think this, that the five spot is the fourth most important spot in the lineup and that it is substantially more important than the three spot. For what because it's worth. Th- because the three For spot what it's worth. is frequently batting with two outs, nobody on. Yeah. And because the five spot, you still have good hitters in front of you. And he's protecting the four hole. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's batting. Like, a lot of times your cleanup man is going to be your best hitter. So your guy, he's the guy protecting your best hitter is more important than the three spot, which is the one spot in the lineup that bats the most often with two outs and mm-hmm. nobody on base, which is the – you don't want – like, it drove me crazy that you were on hit third. Like, drove me crazy. Your best offensive player – is going to lead your team in two outs, nobody on situations. What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't like that at all. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, we finally got some quotes on him batting in the uh, the two spot through an interpreter. At the beginning of the conversation, I thought he, Espada, was joking. Obviously, I've never hit there before, so whenever he said that, I would just chuckle and laugh. But the closer we got to spring training, he kept mentioning it. I asked him later, are you being serious? Espada's like, yeah, I'm being serious about it. Uh, Jordan said, let's try it. Let's see it. To me, really, nothing's going to change. I'm going to have the same approach up there. So the batting order, uh, that's just a number. I don't think this is going to bother Jordan at all. He said, hitting behind Altuve doesn't really feel like you're hitting second in the lineup. He's a guy that's hit third in the past, so it feels a little bit like you're hitting fourth. It's pretty simple. It's like coaching my daughter's softball team when it comes to Jordan. See ball, hit ball. As long as he sees ball and hits ball, it doesn't matter where he hits in the lineup, and if he moves them up or down, I think he'll have the same approach and be the same, have the same kind of effectiveness. Did you just, you, did you just compare you coaching little girl softball to Joran Alvarez, one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Because he's such a good hitter. It, doesn't, ball, matter, hit ball. Yeah, it doesn't matter where he hits <laughs> in the lineup. He just sees ball, hits ball, so it doesn't matter. So to some degree, it wasn't a direct comparison saying that <laughs> it's as simple as that. For him, he's such a good hitter. 
doesn't matter where he hits in the lineup. I think he'll be the same guy. What are old? What are their little little league batting cliches? Elbow up, squish the bug, get Uh, softball ready. Well, you're not telling you on Alvarez to get softball ready. No, I know, but if you're looking for comparison, plus I don't want him to spin down like that. He might pull a quad or something. It's true, Jordan Alvarez. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line. Let's make mock drafts great again. Mel Kiper is the draft we're working with today, and it might be the worst one. We've been working with it's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The best thing you can get, though, if you're looking for a basketball goal is a goal from Pro Dunk Hoops. We're just a couple of days from March. If it wasn't for this stupid leap year thing, we'd be in March tomorrow. We got to wait an extra day. That's okay. I love March. It's one of my favorite months of the year. Uh, you get March Madness. You get all the basketball you could you could hope for. So if you have a little one or if you're a fan of shooting some hoops, this is the month that you're really going to want a basketball goal in your driveway. And they make the highest quality basketball goals you'll find uh unlike anything you'll find in the big box stores i'm sure if you live in a neighborhood you've seen these messed up goals backboards broken rims jacked up the nets are screwed up some of you aren't standing upright anymore they're crooked or they're laying flat on their belly you don't have to worry about that with a goal from pro dunk hoops they make the best goals you'll ever see tempered glass backboard stainless steel hardware it's rust proof which is great to have in houston of course height adjustable as well anywhere from five feet to ten feet and with their new goal four you can raise and lower goals with a drill lightning adjust feature you can get anywhere you need to go from five feet to ten feet in less than 10 seconds it makes it fun it makes it easy and it makes it idiot proof for people like me their accessories are next level two led light kits for night play you work i understand you're trying to make a little bit of money we get it your kids are in school they have to be that's fine the only time you have to play a little shoot some hoops or at night well you can do that with the led light kits from pro dunk backstop nets pull pad lettering lots more as well and you can order everything including professional installation online that's right the pros from pro dunk will professionally install your goal at the perfect Perfect tight, perfectly straight. You don't lift a pinky. Let the pros at Pro Dunk do all of the work for you. Call now at 281-351-9822, 281-351-9822, and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank. I'm Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Um, slow down there, Blanker. Jordan is in Gronk. No need to talk to him like a child. <laughs> I'm not talking to him like a child. He didn't hear me. So at least speak to him in Spanish. See, si. yeah, He's more than that. Although I'm that's all you that. need. To, I'm talking to whoever said that. That's all you need for Jordan. That, that should be part of the Jordan rules. When Jordan asks a question, see, See, si, senor. See. Si. Whatever you want. Uh, eight four three seven. sweep the leg. Wait, that's not baseball, softball. All right, making mock drafts great again. Yesterday, the uh, the poll we gave to the listeners, we had the option between Johnny Newton, Troy Fatanu, Tyler Newbin, and Keon Coleman. Johnny Newton, defensive tackle from Illinois, wins the vote, 44.5%. I like it. Smart voters. Very, very smart voters. Keon Coleman got 31% of the vote. All right, so that was yesterday. Uh, today we're operating from Mel Kuyper's draft and like the hairspray might have got to Mel. Like this Mel's draft, like the mock might be okay, but who he has for the Texans is flat out stupid. And then the four options that we're going to have to work with, probably the worst list of four that we've seen so far. Uh, we'll get to it in a second. But he has Caleb Williams going number one. No, no surprise there. He has Jaden Daniels at number two. Is it? Is Jaden Daniels now more popular being the second quarterback off the board than Drake May? 
I think he is more popular. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I heard something that Drake May is now, I guess, contemplating. Is it that he's going to throw at the combine Contemplating or not? what? Contemplating whether he throws or not at the combine. Oh. He's just going to save it for his pro day. But, yeah, I think his stock is on the decline, and Daniels is obviously on, on the incline. And Mel, by the way, says he never incorporates trades into his mock drafts. Yeah, which is – I'm a fan of that. Daniel too. Daniel Jeremiah still has um, uh, Drake Mayo as his second – I said Mayo. Drake May is his second quarterback, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so, Jane Daniels, too. He does have Drake May going number three to New England, Marvin Harrison four to Arizona, and then J.C. Uh, Latham, the offensive tackle from Alabama. Uh, he goes to the Chargers – Notable picks after that, Romo Dinze to the Giants at 6, Malik Neighbors to the Bears at 9, Bowers goes 10 to the New York Jets, McCarthy 12 to Denver, Byron Murphy goes off this board at 13. See, that's why, to the I, Raiders. It, that's why I think we up. all said, yeah, I'm, I, don't, I don't want them to trade up, but not I, the per se, not yeah, the not that high, but I think the only way the Texans end up with Murphy is if they, had to, if they trade up, because... He ain't lasting till 23. I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Did Especially we, did after we the do combine. a mock draft yesterday or the day before where he lasted the 32? Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about it. Yeah. yeah, fraudulent. There's no way. Yeah, I think that was, uh, that was, the, I think the, that was Monday. That was the Yahoo guy the, with uh, Fratelli? Maybe oh, it was uh, yesterday. Fratelli Not Yahoo CBS, Sports. Fratelli he was a Yahoo for putting Actually, I think it was last Friday. It was Fratelli that ba- w- was the one that I think that had him at 31. Because I was sitting in the U of H press box when we talked about it. Okay. So I think that Either was. way. Yeah, whatever whatever, whatever mock draft You brought it back was. up thinking that the, yeah. he was already gone. Actually, I think it was yesterday. And I said, no, he wasn't <laughs> gone. He actually lasted till Kansas City at 32. I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Terry and Arnold, he's off the board at 15. Corner from Bama. Kenyon Mitchell off the board at 17. Corner from uh, Toledo. Cooper DeGene, corner from Iowa, off the board at 19. Nate Wiggins, corner from Clemson, off the board at 20. So, like, all these corners are getting sucked up. So, the Houston Texans at 23. Mel Kuyper has the Texans selecting Tyler Guyton, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. Houston without its first uh, round selection due to the trade for Anderson. Even though the Texans are coming off the season that featured a surprising playoff win, I see clear needs for them in the front seven on defense and along the offensive line. So with Laramie Tunsil holding down the left tackle position, Guyton could step in at right tackle where he started 14 games for the Sooners. Yet another mock draft guy that forgets the existence of Titus Howard. Titus Howard and his contract and the fact that he just signed it Tell you everything you need to know, Mel. This is why this is a stupid pick because of the fact that I. This is also why I say I don't want them to take an offensive player in the first round. But primarily, if you're looking at just Mel's draft and the fact that he's looking at a right tackle with the fact that you have all of these things sitting right in front of you, all you got to do is do some research. Ridiculous. I would be disgusted. I'd be ticked off <laughs> if they did this, and I hope to God they don't. That it's not even close to their, what they're doing. This is more Mel Kiper just being unaware of what the Texans personnel looks like, which I imagine a lot of mockers we've, we've, we've done a number of mock drafts where they're projecting right tackles and talking about yeah. how it's this huge need. It's one thing if you're telling me this tackle is kind of a tweener and maybe he's a guy that guard, suits yeah. better as a guard in the NFL, but that's not what they're saying here. They're specifically saying the Texans need right tackle help, which... Yeah, they do, but that right tackle help is is, is Titus Howard moving yep. back to right tackle. They just don't know. They don't yeah, know. They didn't they they, like don't. they saw Titus Howard play left guard, like, oh well he's the Texans left guard, you know, so they're just unaware. Um the only way that I would be somewhat okay with the Texans drafting a tackle is if they moved on from Titus Howard prior to the draft. 
That's the only way. I just don't see him there's, doing that. I don't either. I don't either. But Plus, that's, he's, he's hurt, so he's coming off injury. Sure. So, so there's no way. He can still trade not, him. Yeah, but it's just not happening. Look, I agree, but I'm saying that's the only way mm-hmm. that if they draft a guy at 23 that's an offensive tackle, I'd be okay with that. Because even if, he, cause if he's on the roster, I'd be annoyed because it's telling you that, well, they see him as a left guard. Mm-hmm. So they paid him top five right tackle money, and they've made him a left guard, which is overpaying for a guard. And he's not good at guard. I was going to say, he wasn't great there either, so it makes doubly no sense. So that's the only way where I would be somewhat like acceptable of a tackle at 23. And I agree with you that the chances of that happening are slim to none and slim's on, on its way out of town. Now, Ryan, you don't like this, I'm no, assuming? No, like, I, I feel if, like I didn't if, need if, to ask. If, honestly, of these four options, if this is the four, I, I'm trading back. I, I don't want any of these four. So these four options, it's the worst that we've had to deal with. Uh, but, again, we, we outsource the draft that we're using. Uh, Tyler Guyton, oh, the uh, tackle to Oklahoma, he's a 23. Amarius Mims, tackle to Georgia, uh, up from Georgia, goes 24. Jordan Morgan, tackle from Arizona, goes number 25. And then the 26th pick is Keon Coleman, the receiver from Florida State. So you got three tackles to choose from. And based on my reading with all of these tackles, they're all tackles. Like they're not guys that you're moving to guard. So you got three tackles. You got Keon Coleman, who cannot separate, which I hate all four options. Which of the four are you going with, Blankers? I'm going with Coleman if I have to go what just one possible possible direction because I used stupid before and I'll use another S word that's a no-no, especially with children, and that sucks. This whole thing sucks from Mel Kuyper Jr. in the first round because there's no way I want this to happen. There's no way I like this, and the only one that at least feasibly makes some sort of sense because it helps the Texans more so than all the offensive linemen they already have under contract that they're or, or they and they and or they have high expectations still for is is by going with a receiver to add to the receiver room and getting it getting him fairly cheaply though I don't like that fit either. Yeah, um, trading down is not an option, but I would certainly like to trade down. Not like going outside of those four picks, not an option, but you know, I kind of would love Darius Robinson from Missouri. Brian Thomas goes after. Uh, Chop Robinson goes later. Xavier Worthy is a receiver. I don't know if he's a first rounder. Uh, Worthy's a second round pick. Yeah, I don't know if he's I a like first I like him rounder. too, but and it's a it's it's a feather into the cap of the idea of don't take wide receiver in the first round because you could probably get Xavier Worthy Worthy in the second. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I I don't think he's a first round pick. So knowing the rules that we have, where we can only pick between these four, I got to go Keon Coleman. I, yeah. I'm not I'm not you know I'm not taking a tackle. Uh, I don't love the idea of Keon Coleman because he doesn't separate, and D'Amico and Nick Casario say they like their receivers who can separate. But I have, but you need a, you need a third receiver, uh, third receiver for the receiver trio. You don't need tackle. I got to go Keon Coleman. Yeah, make it unanimous. I would go Keon Coleman as well because at least with Keon Coleman, you see immediately where he fits onto the field. There's immediately a spot for him to fill in as the third wide receiver. So if you draft the tackle, <laughs> then you're having the constant like, okay, is he the tackle? Is he moving inside, or is is Titus Howard moving outside? If he, Titus Howard is staying in the guard, then you're paying, you're using one of your higher paid players at a position he's worse at. So it yeah. makes no sense, you know, all the way around. Chris uh, on the uh, the poll commented, "Oh no, thanks." That's how I feel too. Chris, uh, Virginia Texkin, he says Edger and Cooper, no matter what. You're not playing by the rules there. Uh, heavy vote so far for Keon Coleman. He's taken 65%. Next highest is Guyton at 19. I think Keon Coleman's going to run away with this one, guys, because no, no one wants to tech- tackle with the with the. And no uh, one should. No, Mel, no do some homework. Yeah, Mel Kiper, this this is bad. This is bad, Mel Kiper. You're a big name. Blankers thinks you got tremendous hair. I think he's got Lego man hair. But, hey. This is not your best work, Mel. Uh, we had a couple of texts saying Mel Kuyper with a bad mock draft. Shocked. And then slash S, which means sarcasm. Is, uh, Some people don't know that. Where's, where's uh, Todd McShay when you need him? 
Uh, he got fired. Yeah, he got fired for Mel. He got laid off. Yeah. My favorite, who's your favorite draft guy? Lance Erline. Uh, that's a good answer. Uh, <laughs> my favorite's Daniel Jeremiah. That's fair. I like Daniel Jeremiah. Yeah, o- outside of Lance, I like Jeremiah and also like Matt Miller. Uh, Is, including but- Lance, my favorite's Daniel Jeremiah. Oh, wow. Bucky Brooks is pretty good, too, when Bucky yeah, and Lance get, get together I, to break stuff down. I didn't like Bucky at first. He's, I've really come around on him. Mm-hmm. I, I like him like quite a bit now. He's he's on my short list as well. All right, 713-780-ESPN. Is he? I don't know. You just said she's on your short list. Huh, hilarious joke. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I don't think you, your nickname can be Bucky if you're if you're tall. Like, like legitimately, Bucky Richardson was a big dude. No, he, he wasn't tall. Bucky, Bucky Richardson, Richardson was a small, was a short quarterback. No, he wasn't. He? I thought Bucky Richardson was a short Bucky quarterback. Bucky Richardson was a bigger dude. He might have been big, but I thought he was short. No, I talking. thought that was his hangup. Was uh-huh. that he was short? Bucky Richardson was six one. That's short for a quarterback. I don't think that's short. Six one for a quarterback, and that, with the time period that he was playing, is very short for a quarterback. I mean, I've stood next to him too, where I thought he was taller than that. But okay, for I don't the, think for the time period, yes, yeah, for the like time today, period, he's a short quarterback. Be, but, but even even now, would be kind of short. Like that's Drew Brees. Yeah, but six one, no one would be Bucky quite. Badger's I don't think tall. there would be any. Who's that? It's the mascot. It's the mascot. <laughs> I don't think. Here's a hot take. I don't think you can have the name Bucky if you're. Six three or taller. Now you're right Why? on Bucky Dent because Bucky it sounds it, small. Bucky sounds like a name of a shorter guy. Like I could be a Bucky, but I don't think like. You know, Bucky Branham. Yeah, Bucky Branham. I could be Bucky. I'm I'm shorter than six three. Just barely. I'm just barely monster. shorter than six three, but I'm just shorter than six three. I don't think you can be are, are six you three or taller. Are you basing that upon the, the the mascot name for for Bucky's? No, I'm not. I, I, don't I think know, do you no, have Bucky, a, a beaver in your head. You think no. I'm just thinking about how many Bucky's are there to choose from to, to make a comparison here. I think there's quite a few. Bucky Dan. but like Bucky is a Bucky to me is a nickname you give a guy who's like not all that big. Like he's just he's kind of a shorter guy, whereas like a tall Bucky guy. Played football didn't he? Who's that? Bucky Brooks played football. I think he played. Yeah, he played football. I don't yeah. know how big Bucky Brooks is. I'm looking. It I up. just feel like Bucky's a short guy's nickname. Huh. And then you have like tall guys' nicknames. You know? Oh, okay. What's a tall guy nickname? I'm trying to think. I can't. <laughs> Bucky Brooks is Ed six too foot. tall. Jones too tall. Oh, too, uh, too tall. Too tall. That's Bucky's like too short. That's too long. How long? Yeah. Bucky Brooks is six, six foot? foot. There you yeah. go. I don't think there is a Bucky that exists that's six three or taller. Prove me wrong. I don't want to do that research. Buck Williams, but I don't think he was called Bucky. No, he wasn't called Bucky. I, but he was I worked tall, with Buck Williams. Right? He was Buck like six ten. He was a power forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't Bucky. No. Like, see, if he was, if he was five ten, I bet you they would have called him. Bucky. I can tell you this: if you called Buck Williams Bucky, you might find out how strong Buck Williams was. There you go. Yeah, that yeah. proves my point. I don't think there is a Bucky that exists that's taller than six three seven one three seven eight zero. Now I got to look at hey, famous you haven't proved me wrong. Buckies. Give me receipts seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Why is Brian making faces today? Other than my hot takes, it's the Killer Bees on. ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, I'm to tell you about my good friend, Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograph procedure. Look, you might not know what that is, but if you have pattern baldness, you're going bald, or you flat out lost your hair, you might want to find out more about him because Doc Linville does this Neograph procedure better than anybody else, and it's a game changer, folks. I'm telling you right now, it's getting your own hair back. It's not the sprays and the creams and the foams that mask it. It is your own hair taken from a place that Doc explained to me. You're never going to lose it. Genetically, you never lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head, no matter how bald you go on top or in the front. Therefore, he takes some of it every third follicle or so, and he moves it to where you need it most. He recreates your hairline. He puts hair on the top of your head. In no time at all, first of all, you're going to see the follicles immediately, but in no time at all, you're going to see that hair getting longer and stronger, and you know it's being taken from a spot 
that it never goes away. So wherever he puts it, it's never going to go away. 95 to 99% of the follicles he moves, stays, gets longer, stronger, and is with you for the long haul. Game changer, folks. All you got to do because you listen to ESPN 97.5 is go to 975hair.com. Set up a free appointment. No obligation, no signing on the dotted line, no money out of pocket. Just you going in, meeting with Doc and his staff, asking questions, getting answers, and seeing if you might be the next in line to get the Neograph procedure and then reap the benefits that it brings to you. I've done it. I couldn't be happier with it. Granado did it too. He loves Doc, and he loves the, the, the entire Neograph. Check it out today. Go to 975hair.com. WTF, why the face? Time to look back at some of the WTF moments from the past week. It's WTF Wednesday. WTF to that. With the Killer Bees. Someone texted in that Bucky's a bull rider's name. <laughs> and a skateboarder, we found out. But bull riders are traditionally very tall, though. No, they're not. So they're not. I, it still fits within your within yeah. your hot with, within your hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's a right take. It's trending that way for sure. It's a right take. Bucky's are short. All right, uh, Brian. Why are you making faces on this Wednesday? Uh, so I'm going to start off sports with this one before we get into some of the more crazy things. But uh, I, I don't know what you guys think about the sport of cycling. I don't personally care. I, I know it's very athletic, but I don't really care to ever watch. I'm anti-exercise. Okay, so you're you're definitely on the on the out with this, but this made me think cycling is even more dumb when I read this story. So there was a US women's cycling team that got suspended for quote perpetrating a fraud by dressing a mechanic as one of their riders to avoid disqualification from a race. What? Now, now you ask why do they need to do that because apparently there's some rule in this race they were competing in where you had to have five riders, but one of the riders was ill, so their team uh, sports director told the other four riders to lie about the fifth rider and then told the mechanic to basically dress up oh. as a rider, sign in on the sign-up sheet as that rider, and participate in the race as that rider. He could fall over dead if he wasn't if he wasn't any good at riding, though. Well, see, this and, and the where it really gets me is the the four riders were all like uh, given reprimands. The team was fined. The sports director was fired. And he's not allowed to be in cycling for like a full calendar year. Yeah. What in fact? Like I get this if they're gaining an advantage, like obviously like doping, yeah. which was a problem in cycling. They're not gain, gaining an advantage. They're taking a professional the rider carrying the roid and replacing them with a the mechanic. I, I, for one, am disgusted by this. <laughs> there has been cycling has been as clean as a whistle for years. Yeah, I mean for Old decades. For the, I mean, if, if I yeah. if I point to one sport, and it's debatable if cycling's a sport. Uh, if there's one sport I would point to, and I'd say that's the epitome of cleanness in sport. I would say it's cycling. So this disgusts me that you have the U.S. women's cycling team cheating like this in a sport as clean as cycling has been for or generations. Sounds like it's shaking you to your very core. Was it the U.S. women's cycling team that did this? Yeah. Uh, it, well, I don't know if it, I don't know how many teams they have, but it was a U.S. women's cycling. There had to be well, what the only the, the only thing that counts is the first three finishers for each team or something. I, I, I have no I idea. I can pretend is. to know what the rules oh, are. I, I mean, this is big. This could be another this, reality show on Netflix. I need to know all the details. Is this the Tour de France? That's no, the only no. Cycling it was, a, it was an event in, right? Bel- in Belgium or something. You, uh, the Lance Armstrong story is fascinating, though. I've oh, listened man. to some podcasts, listened to him on Rogan and stuff like that. What a what a scumbag. Like, he and Casario, two peas in a pod. 
They, Does I he also you, not know what everything a you is? hear about, read about, and, and so was, he's like the biggest a hole on the oh, planet. Yeah. Off, uh, off a bike, and on the bike he wasn't clean. Now I don't mind that he wasn't clean. Like that's that's the least of the things I, I dislike. Think everybody, about him. exactly. Everybody was doing it. He was Barry Bonds a cyclist. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. everybody else is doing it. I'm going to do it too. And then whenever I do it, I'm leveling the playing field, and then my natural talent comes into play. Sure. Which yep. I mean, I'm calling two alleged PED users natural, which is... But yeah, I mean, this is awful. This is terrible. I can't believe this happened. (laughs) All right, so let's uh, move to something I think we can all agree is universally hated, and that's HOAs. Uh I think everybody Mm -hmm. hates... I I haven't met one person who likes their HOA unless they're on the HOA. Uh, But there was an HOA in Georgia that for years was sending an elderly man parking citations for cars parked around his property. One problem... This man doesn't own any cars. <laughs> and for some reason, I guess he got scared about uh, Georgia being able to what? put a lien on his house. Because apparently in Georgia, if your HOA fines reach $2,000, the HOA can actually put a lien on your house. Ooh. And because of that, he paid the fines anyway, even though they weren't his cars. And so eventually they get to a point where the HOA is passed. They, I guess, seen the error of their ways. And pass the rule where all of these citations will be forgiven and they won't be doing them going forward. They'll be forward. refunded. That's a bigger well, question. That, that's where we're going. So, obviously, okay, they said they're going to refund him. Great. But instead of offering him the $1,700 that he actually paid for fines that uh, for cars that he doesn't own, they said, no, we're going to credit you with $600. And that's what they've been willing to offer him. And now they're happy. So, he paid $1,700. He only gets $600 back. What is he yeah. fined for stupidity? I, I, I Look, he's an elderly <laughs> man, so I don't I, – like, I, my first thought when I was reading this is like, why the hell were you paying this? Just yeah. tell him to F off. But he's elderly. Maybe he got confused. So I don't want to go too hard on him. But come on, HOA. You, so, you, you've admitted that these aren't, you know, uh, these are. These, it's probably because all these dirty HOA people already went shopping with all the money yeah, that, that they got it. from all the fines they collected. And now they don't have it to give back. I was a math major for three weeks. So he's out $1,100. Yeah. Eleven hundred dollars. Man, that stinks. Yeah, that's bad. I'm I'm surprised Georgia has HOAs. That's the first thing that I noticed. I didn't think that Georgia would have HOAs. No, why is that? Because uh, it's Georgia. I okay, fair point. I've gotten three that be more like notices from the HOA this year. It's Arkansas. SEC country. It means but, more. But you got Atlanta. You've got some bigger cities. And I know, but I just wanted to take a shot at Georgia. Okay. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good joke. Sure. Um, I got. Well, I have I've had two HOA letters this year. Ooh, this year, this year, I've had February twenty eighth. Well, we'll go ahead and tell yours. The, uh, and then the other thing, my my key, my my fob isn't working to get into the gym. I tried once; it didn't work. I've said I'm going to be anti exercise. Can charge you twenty five bucks to get fob, another one. Too. I, I have my fob. Oh, I don't. I have it. It's not working. Huh? It's not I working. You lost it. But then I was like, this is just a sign that I shouldn't be working out. I, I, I took it as that. Uh, but yeah, I got two. What did I get? I got one for not mowing yet because, like, the it was high, which, I mean, it's February. What was the second one? For? I know. Uh, the one- I got one this year for having too many pine cones in my yard. Really? Yeah. I, it's freaking Kingwood. There's pine trees everywhere. You know, you used to live yeah. in Kingwood. Apparently, there was an excessive amount of pine cones in my yard, so I had to write wow. See, that's up. where the guy that goes around in the neighborhoods to write the letters. It's just the worst. If you pissed him off, oh. you're in trouble because in my old house... The garbage cans, ever since the house was built, and I verified this, were in the same spot. But all of a sudden, my garbage cans were in sight, from, in clear sight from the sidewalk out front. Therefore, I was getting fined. And I'm like, time out. 
they've never not been there the entire time the house is built. And the guy just suddenly now, because I was fighting it and I was ticked off, he was looking for him. I had to take pictures. I had to send him in. And the dude eventually got relocated because there were, I guess, several people that were complaining about the same thing, like that this guy just had it out for trying to find these things to get at people. So they didn't fire him. They relocated him to another HOA so it could be their problem. But I was like, are you kidding? And I had every camera angle. You couldn't see my freaking garbage cans, but this dude was, was going to write me up. The um, Maybe it was just new administration. <laughs> That's what they ran pissed, on. I don't know. I didn't even know him to piss him off until I actually came in to complain about the letters. Yeah. Karen Blank. I actually, you know what? <laughs> you ain't getting me on some technicality. I just mowed. I remember what the second thing was. It was the uh, Christmas lights. We saw the Christmas lights up. In what, June? No, it's this year, Blankers. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's so only what, been two months this what, year. What, what, would you, February, you got it? Yeah, it was like it was like three weeks ago. I think this should be down by now. I, I don't disagree with that one. Okay. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I think I was well-deserved. The HOA doesn't like me. I'm always late to pay my dues. I always leave the lights out. I always mow late. I'm not a big. We leave the trash can out, but some somehow they didn't. They didn't send me. I've a never gotten a letter they, about that. I they th- do do that. If you don't do it by midnight of the day, you know, like the, ours are. I think our trash days are Tuesday and, and Friday, something like that. Yeah, if you, if it's Saturday morning, and your ca- trash can's out, you're gonna get it. Yeah, they uh, HOA's not a big fan of Branham. No, HOA's. I've always I felt I found out to be like when they'll send you the tickiest, tacky sort of things they're complaining like like they complained once we got the siding replaced in our house and the siding company put a yard or a sign in our yard for like two days and i got a letter like no signs are allowed but then when you actually need them for something that's actually happening and like and causing you a, a problem they they can't help they no, it's they got not in got, their bylaws to help you in my that. old neighborhood they got got too because there were people that were saying you sent me this letter to say i had to power wash my sidewalk right then it turns out they sent everybody that letter to try and force them, and then some of the people came back saying, "I just saw, I, you just gave me this citation, and I've already power washed." And then they were like, uh, uh, they're like, "Oh, wait a minute! You're just trying to collect a whole bunch of fines from people because you sent it to everyone in the neighborhood." They got got, and it was it was ugly. Eric's a psycho. He now knows where I live because I'm 99 percent sure Brandon and myself live in the same neighborhood. Uh oh. Did he try to also no, he get said, into the gym? He said the neighborhood. So he tried. I he bet, knows I bet he, the neighborhood. I bet he tried to get in the gym. His key fob didn't work either. Maybe do Eric's with an H at the end work out? <laughs> I that think you'd have a, a weird, weirder stereotype yeah, for a name where you I'm, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. Do you want to squeeze one yeah, more Yeah, let's in? do one more. All right. So uh, there was an interview last week with CNBC where the Kellogg CEO uh, has, was talking about how they're now advertising cereal for dinner uh, with the tagline for the ad reading, Give Chicken the Night Off. And for some reason, despite uh, you know the the sting of grocery costs going up across the country, uh, the CEO of Kellogg's is really uh, dead set on trying to co- convince Americans that cereal is the way to go to save some money. The quote: "The cereal category has always been quite affordable, and it tends to be a great destination when consumers are <laughs> under pressure. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do." That's going to be much more affordable. So if you can't afford groceries, eat cereal for dinner, says it's, Kellogg. It, cereal is the new the new ramen noodle. I mean, who's for, eating for, cereal for dinner? Oh, is this lots a trend? of people over there. I mean, if I'm not will. super hungry, really? yeah, my no. kids do it too. I, see, I don't just like cereal. I really don't like cereal at all. So Same. maybe I'm the wrong person to ask. Oh, my but, kids, if yeah. they're not, Lisa will say, especially if they're not super hungry, you want just you just want cereal? Sure, that'd be great. Uh, okay. She'll try and throw yeah. some banana or something in it to make it a little bit more health conscious. Sure. But, 
Yeah, cereal forever in a day has been a cheap and, and quick way to get through dinner if you're not super hungry. The um, I'm not a big cereal guy either, but I know a lot of people will eat cereal yeah. for dinner. Now, yeah. I do like Lone Star beer in my cereal. It's keeping me that. alive. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I've heard other people. Leave it there. You don't like a little Lone Star beer in your cereal? I've never tried it. It's a, it's a Texas country song. Yeah. All right, 713-780-ESPN. It is rodeo season after all. 713-780-3776. There's one basketball team in the city that's really, really good, and there's another basketball team in the city that cannot win when they're on the road. In fact, worst in the league, bad. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, attention all golfers out there. I sound like cam juice. Attention all golfers right now. If you are looking for the best indoor golf spot with the best golf simulators in the city, and the outside areas, you got to check out X Golf and Katie. Look, we we were at the Grand Opening last Friday. The whole weekend was a, a huge success because these simulators are awesome. They're the best I've ever seen. The putting is is actually real putting. It's fantastic. It's like you're playing an actual course. You can play up to fifty courses worldwide, and it's an awesome experience. You can also use it like a driving range, especially if the weather's bad or at night or in hours when your course isn't in operation or the weather's bad, you can go there too. But X-Golf is like the best combination of your favorite sports bar and all the golf and more that you could ever play to, to, to kind of tune up your game. It's fantastic. You can play 18. You can play it like a driving range. You can watch the, the best sporting events going on at the same time. Great food, great beverages. You got to check it out because this place is a hot spot. It's a destination. Once you've been once, you'll be back again and again. Check it out today. Go to X-Golf Katie online and book a tee time. Book some time on the simulators. They got specials going every single day. But the fact is, if you are a true golf diehard, it's the place for you. If you're just looking for a great sports bar in Cadia, in Katie, it's also the place for you. But regardless of one or both that you're looking for, check out X Golf and Katie today. Listening to the Killer Bees and some great music presented by RC Ranch, the official beef jerky of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Beautiful voice of Carly Pierce. She puts out banger after banger. She's headlining tonight. Name one. This one. What is it? It's clearly everyone. Good luck waiting for the chorus. Quiet on the set. Yeah, right. Yeah, stop talking when she stops singing. I hope this is some song that the title isn't even close to what the chorus is. This is I Remember Every Little Thing. Brian, what's the name of this song? Every Little Thing. Boom! You said I, I Remember. I mean, I added a couple words to it, but I got the, nice I got stretch, the song stretch. right. Hey, uh, Bucky, nice stretch. 713-780-ESPN. What's our intern's name today? <laughs> what? I'm not going to get it. The <laughs> no? first time I've seen him. Well, intern, I... I you normally don't get it, so I don't know why you even asked that question on the air. I thought that I thought Brian would know. Oh, God. I thought Brian would. Should I should I give him a should I give him grief on the way he spelled Cougs? Where does he go to school? I wonder. Oh, I'll bring him in here. Yeah, bring him in here. So there's one basketball team in Houston that's really good. There's one basketball team in the city that's not very good. Carly Pierce is. She's really her, her voice is way better than my voice is. Rockets lost yesterday. Houston won. Cougars won. So you know which team's good. You know which team's bad. Rockets, by the way, the worst team in the NBA on the road. All right, here we go. Sorry, I don't know your name. I'm bad with names. Awful. I apologize. I'm a jerk. I get it. So what's your name? Jordy. Jordy? Yes, sir. Killer J. Uh, How many tall Jordys do you know? 
How many what? Tall Jordies do you know? Jordy Nelson. He's not tall. No, he's yeah, not. he's taller than Bucky Richardson, though. <laughs> I don't think so. Where, uh, where'd you grow up, Jordy? I grew up in Houston. Okay, that's a good Ooh, sign. Now, it? I'm a little, little concerned about your spelling of Cougs here. Where do you go to school? Uh, the University of Houston, but the Clear Lake oh. campus. Okay, that's, that's not as bad as University right, of Houston. Right, but still. They have a different mascot, right? U of H Clear Lake? Do they, are they, they're not the Cougars, no, are they? we're the Hawks. They're the Hawks. Okay, so it's, <laughs> it's, that's fine. So he didn't, he, as long as he didn't go to U of H, that would have been really bad. So, Jordy, Hawks. when we spell Cougs, C-O-O-G-S. Okay. Not C-O-U-G-S. We're very particular about that sort of thing. But appreciate you helping out, Jordy. Thank you very much. Go oh, Cougs. Thank you guys for having Go me. Hawks, I guess. What is their signal? Do they have a signal? I don't think we Hand do. Signal? Is it, I don't know. Is it butterfly or the... I have no idea, to be honest. <laughs> you don't know? No, I don't know. No, what I are just... your goals and aspirations in life, Jordy? My goals and aspirations in life? To work in sports. Oh. To work in sports. Okay. That, is, that is the dream. Well, I, this might be a spot for you then. I hope so. Okay, hope so good. that's what we're working towards. Spell Cougs yeah. wrong again and see if it is. <laughs> yeah. Radio might not be the place to go, though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Appreciate your help, Jordy. Appreciate it. Thank, no, thanks thank for being a good sport about it. Make sure you spell Cougs right next time. I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, Cougs won yesterday. Robbie has a Cougs question for us, 713-780-3776. We'll get to the, uh, the Rockets in a little bit, too. Uh, let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Robbie, you're in the hive of the beast. What's up, Robbie? How y'all doing today? Doing great. What's up, Robbie? I, I love the show. Thank you. I, I just want to know, the Cougs mashed on Texas the other day, and they beat last night. So how far are we going to go on this? I believe all the way. In the 10-year run with Calvin running the crew, and that's what I see. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. Hey, Robbie. His name's Kelvin. Robbie, who'd they beat last night? He didn't know. Were they led by sheep? I was going to ask Robbie to spell yeah. Cougs. I didn't think that was going. I didn't think that was going to come turn out very well. I um. I mean, I, I hope that Robbie's right. I hope they go all the way. Heck yeah, uh, tournaments crapshoot. Like it's matchups. It's who you play. One team getting hot. You know, you people a lot of times define team success in college basketball based on the tournament. I, I don't do that. Like you could you could you could get uh, go up against a really good team and then elite eight matchup that they just make every three and you lose to the team that night that would have beaten anybody in the country and that season's a disappointment. I don't believe that. I don't think that way. Uh, but you I hope know, he's right. I hope they do go all the way. It'd be awesome. Know, the other thing too is like you could be the best three point shooting team in the in the in the entire NCAA and you play in a real small gym, and all of a sudden as you advance, you start playing in a football stadium or a big environment with a different backdrop with depth perception, mm-hmm. and, and suddenly you don't shoot the ball well for one game, you're done. Like, I, I love the tournament, obviously. I love college basketball. Um, these aren't best of sevens. Like, they're one stinking mm-hmm. game, and you can lose to anybody in one stinking game. It's really hard to win a national championship. you got to win six games in a row against the top 68 teams in the country who are all desperate to continue their season. It's one of the hardest things to do in sports. And you look at the, you know, and Kelvin has been so successful for a variety <laughs> of reasons. And one of them is the fact that his calling card has always been that his players, his teams have to play great defense. Because no matter where you play, no matter the size of the gym and the size of the other team, if you can defend, you can win on one night against any given team. 
And, and obviously, this team is capable of winning it all. But the fact that defense travels is such a big thing. The Cougs play better defense than anybody in the country. They come to whatever gym you're playing in, they got a shot because of the way they defend. Yeah, no idea if they win at all, obviously. But they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be hard to beat. But there's like, there's like four or five other teams that are really hard to beat. Yeah, they beat Cincinnati. They beat Good win. Um, what's that? They beat that team. Oh, Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, obviously you, meant, you mentioned matchup and it being a crapshoot. What type of matchup would give you the most concern if you're if you're the Cougars and, and that's what you draw? A team that's going to hit seventy percent of their threes. I mean, you could say that about any team, that's though. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. That's, that's what fair. I'm saying. Um, Rockets but, lost yesterday. Did you have a follow up? No, I was just going to say to you because I remember the kid, the big kid from Cincinnati. I thought was going to develop and have a lot of potential, and he just, he just. He's just not much. But Cincinnati hangs around with a lot of teams. They just obviously aren't what they were in the past. But that, that's just They're another better. Yeah, that's just another good win for that for the Cougs coming off some big wins as they rack and stack. I mean, this is why this last stretch of five games you had brought up is so important for them to finish with Kansas and have the schedule they have coming down the stretch. Who they, they still have Central uh, UCF. They go to Oklahoma Saturday. Okay. Uh, they're in Norman. Uh, old stomping grounds. That'll be fun. For Kelvin, yeah. And then Not UCF Calvin. next, I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember. I think it's Kansas. Wednesday. And then yeah. Kansas in the uh, yeah. regular season finale at home. I mean, yeah. they got a legit shot to be the number one overall seed if they run the table. They do, yeah. And I don't know if it really matters this year. We were talking about it a little bit yesterday because, yeah. like, all these teams are like kind of positioned perfectly for their regions. Like, it doesn't really matter who's won or not. Uh, it, it all depends about the matchups. Like, the matchups are going to matter. Do you get a favorable bracket? Do you get a favorable night? Like, you could go up against one of the best teams in the country. They shoot 25% that night. Good chance you beat them. Um, Good news is, like you said, with guy, the, the, your best players playing well at the right time of the year is great, and the backcourt's playing better than they probably have together. They're not brother-in-law. The fact that you've got both those guys playing at the level that they're playing right now, that, that's a good sign for them as well. That'll be the one take that I do have with Houston. Like, every time I do these uh, hits for U of H, they're always like, well, you know, the offense, the offense, the offense isn't very good. Well, they're top 20 in Ken Palm offensive efficiency. They're scoring points per possession because they're really good at offensive rebounding. But if you look at their starting lineup, all of those guys, maybe with the exception of Javier Francis, like he's more of a dunker put back. Now he's showing more offensive game lately. Four of the five starters can get you 20. Jamal Shedd can get you 20. He had 20 in the second half the other night. LJ Cryer can get you 20. Leads to the Big 12 in three-point percentage, three-pointers made. Emmanuel Sharp has yeah. really come on. Stepped he can up. get you 20. And given the night, Jawan Roberts, Roberts can give yeah. you 20. Yeah. Like People look at Roberts' points per game like, well, that's not that good. People forget that Jawan Roberts got pulled at halftime in three different games. But that doesn't, you know, they don't take those out for the points per game thing. So he can be, they, they, their offense is good, I think. Now I'm a you know major homer. Uh, but I, I I think that they're underrated offensively. Anyways, uh, the Rockets lost their basketball game yesterday in Oklahoma City. No shame in that. I mean, Oklahoma City is really, really good. But the Rockets are really, really bad on the road. I did a little bit of digging on this. You know the Rockets have the fewest road wins in the league? They're tied with one other team. They would be tied with... Worst team in the NBA. The Pistons. Pistons. Detroit, ba- yes, them. Uh, Rockets and the Pistons have five wins on the road. Fewest in the league. So the, that's the company you keep, Houston. Shouldn't be tied because the Pistons should have gotten a win the other night. That's right. Now, the, the Knicks uh, a protest, by the way, <clears throat> fell uh, earlier today. If the Rockets were just 500 on the road, and I understand that's daunting, and, and that's like a, you know, a reach because they've only won five games. If they were just 500 on the road, they would be 34 and 24 on the year, which would be good for tied for sixth in the West. But they'd be out of the play in it. It's crazy to me how bad they are on the road. Why? <laughs> Why? There, Why? Should, there should not be that big of a discrepancy because of the fact that these it's not just what color the, the, the shirts the fans are wearing and how loud the gym is. I mean, 
it, it, your game should – we just talked about defense travels, right? It, there's no reason why your defense can be good at home and bad on the road. It, it's kind of inexplicable when we talked about, like, the Astros going through this last season as well. It, it's crazy, but at the same time, it just feels like this team is stuck in a rut, like it's the dog days now. Now, like now they're starting to disbelieve as much as they had a lot of enthusiasm and, and they were fired up the way the te- season was going early when they already had surpassed their win total. They're now hovering just slightly above their win total of a year ago because they've been in this rut that they just can't seem to get out of. And the brand of basketball is suffering, too. Yeah, it, it, they haven't been as fun to watch as of mm-hmm. late. They were they were particularly bad yesterday, I thought, outside of Jabari. Jabari continues to stack games. I'm, I'm really Shedun liking what I'm seeing. wasn't bad either. He still put up another double-double. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shaq had some things to say about Shingun. We'll get to later. Rockets are twenty and ten at home. That's that's good. That's really good. That's good. How is a team that's twenty and ten at home five and twenty three on the road? How? I keep trying to figure it out. I keep. Try- I'm asking myself the question every night. Going, they can't be this bad. Now you're playing a good team last night. This last stretch of games. Sure, it's not. This is more than last night for me. No, but like, I'm saying. But this last stretch of games, which were, was Phoenix, OKC, Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix, or whatever. The fact is, you beat Phoenix at home. Yeah. If you're beating Phoenix at home, who is a team that's trying to continue to climb in the West and is starting to get their their players back. That was a massively good win, but you don't follow that up with an absolute clunker or two against OKC. Here are the teams that have won 20 games at home because the Rockets are one team that has won 20 games at home. Boston's won 27. They're 19 and 9 on the road. Cleveland's won 20. They're 18 and 9 on the road. Milwaukee, 24. They're 14 and 14 on the road. Knicks have won 20 at home. They're 15 and 14 on the road. Nobody else in the East has won 20 games at home. Minnesota's won 21. They're 20 and 11 on the road. Oklahoma City, 24 at home, 17 and 11 on the road. Denver, 22 at home, 17 and 14 on the road. Clippers, 20 and 7 at home, 17 and 12 on the road. And then the Lakers, 20 and 9 at home. They're 11 and 19 on the road. So, like, all of the other teams that have won 20 games at home are like are 500 or better, with the exception That's of the Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. But even the Lakers, with a poor road record at 11 or 19, have twice as many wins than the Rockets do on the road. It is the weirdest split that I've seen in a really long time. Yeah, it, there's. I, I just it, it's one of those things. Maybe the batter's eyes better. At home, they're good. Yeah, on the, the road, the they're eye. the worst team in the league. It could, Jeremy. This could be the shooter's eye. There's something wrong with the shooter's eye on the road. It just doesn't sit well with their with their their uh, their shot selection. It's so weird. Fifty thirty boys are staying out too late on the road. They need hard. That's why they needed Harden. They needed Harden. They would be a better road team. Take their fake IDs away. They wouldn't. You know why they on the road? They wouldn't be losing sleep if they had Harden because they would never go to sleep. Right. Exactly. I mean, but it sounds like a booby trap to me. Mm, I can't believe they're so bad on the road. All right, 713-780-ESPN-HRMP. Listen, I grade the joke. 713-780-3776. In Miami, they could. Uh, yes or no? Saquon Barkley, three years, $36.8 million. Yes or no? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.